Welcome to Wisdom Talk Radio, a collaborative community of explorers in conscious living. When you are introduced to shamanism at 16, how does that impact your life? Listen in today to hear the surprising turns my guest has taken in her life from this early immersion into the mysteries. And yes, even some things about gut health. Hi, I'm Laurie Seymour, host of Wisdom Talk Radio and CEO and founder of the Baca Institute. Head there to discover your creative advantage by taking the Creative Innovator Quiz. Find out your personal creative innovator style so you can open your creative flow and make everything in life easier. For visionaries, innovators, company founders, and product designers, optimize your ability to create more in less time and enjoy every minute. So I'm really looking forward to having this conversation with my guest today, and you'll see why. Angela Rose Fields is CEO and founder of the Expansion Collective, and a holistic health coach who is certified in integrative nutrition and has helped hundreds of people in her practice. She was initiated into the world of shamanism down in the Amazon at the young age of 16. After experiencing several traumatic spiritual awakenings and running away from the woo for years, she finally embraced it again in her mid-20s. These life experiences led her to dive more deeply into the realms of energetic healing and mental health. Now known as an esoteric biohacking coach, she helps empathic creative pros who are struggling with gut issues to simultaneously heal and maximize their time, energy, cognitive and intuitive ability. Welcome, Angela Rose. I am really, really excited you're here. And um, I know this is going to be a juicy conversation. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. Mm, You're welcome. So uh, I want to start out so we can give our audience a little bit of framework. What do you mean by woo? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, Woo, it's a term that I ran from for a long time for multiple reasons. I've only recently started to embrace it again. (laughs) Um, Because when I say woo, I mean um, the practices that Western society often looks as as, um, not real or um, energetic healing can fall into the category of woo. I know that science is now proving a lot more about uh, the energy field and energetic healing. But I think for me, woo is ultimately everything that you kind of can't see but know is real and everything that science is catching up to. Mm -hmm. A a dear friend of mine who is a, um, a science researcher, PhD, you know, the whole gamut, once said um, something about something on the order of science just has caught up to and able to create the ways to test for these things. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, judgment is easier 
than waiting for that to catch up. Yeah. And you cut out a little bit when you said that, but I think you were saying that science hasn't caught up to it yet. Exactly. Exactly. The ability ability of science to, um, to, to test. Yeah. Now the physicists have been, you know, really on the ball with all of that and there's, Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for, for kind of creating a a common platform or language for um, our audience to be able to, to get their hands around, around that when we talk about that. And, and, and you also talk about um, the importance of merging modern knowledge with those ancient practices Mm-hmm. And especially given your early experiences, how, what what do you see as the importance of that? How does that happen? Mm. Well, that's it's a big question. I know it's a big question, and I'm excited to answer it. I'm just—it's like I could take it in so many different directions. You know? <laughs> um, so. So could you ask it to me once more? Yes. Mm -hmm. For you and your experience, what is the importance of of merging modern knowledge? Mm -hmm. And that could, we could go on to define that, but I think we can probably Mm -hmm. say what that means with ancient practices. Yeah. Well, um, You know, in the moment, the answer that I feel called to share is that merging the, let's just say Western sciences with Eastern sciences, just to kind of um, compartmentalize them a little bit. And so what I mean by that is Western sciences being uh, medicine, pharmaceuticals, um, Psychology, yes, although they can kind of (laughs) blend, Mm -hmm. you know, um, but the more kind of cold, hard, what you might go to school for a science education for um, Eastern, let's say Eastern medicine. So, uh, you know, at that point, we're looking more at meridian systems and um, energy centers in the body Mm -hmm. and Ultimately, these systems in our body that were uh, downloaded by practitioners, all of these systems, if you look into the history of them, Mm -hmm. it came from spiritual guidance. And that's how they found these systems. And now science is catching up to them. So what I the reason that I feel so passionately about merging the two is because I almost don't feel like they're complete without one another. And that's not to say that they're not complete modalities on their own, but we live in a different world than humans used to. (laughs) We've evolved. And um, I think it can be so easy to look at one as real or one as not, or one as good or one as bad, depending on our own experience. I mean, I have plenty of trauma with the American medical system, and I don't really know any American who doesn't, who's gone through it. But that doesn't mean that I don't 
uh, that I want to shun all of the knowledge that has come from the pharmaceutical industry. <laughs> and the reason that I think it is so important to merge the two is because one of them is preventative and one of them is acute in treatment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When we look at energetic work, when we look at Eastern medicine, when we look at shamanism, these are more energetic ways of working with the body. Shamanism can actually be very physical too. Actually, all of them can be very physical mm-hmm. as well. Yes, indeed. But the fact of the matter is if my leg is cut off, I don't particularly want you to take me to the shaman these days. <laughs> Having had a, a broken leg uh, in my life, I say, no, I'm glad we did it the way we did it. Yep. Yep. Unless, you know, it's a highly intuitive, you know, I mean, I, I guess I could, anyways, I could go down that track, but to complete the, to really complete that thought and that notion is we're moving into totally different territory than we've ever been in, in this world. And that is just a fact. And it's a fact that I don't think anyone's denying anymore now with the global pandemic. Mm -hmm. And it's something that a lot of us have known was coming for a long time. And yeah, without knowing the particulars or the, uh, the actuality or how exactly we've known that there's been major, major change that's been on the horizon. Exactly. And now we're in the midst of it. We're in the midst of it. Yeah. So thanks for clarifying that. And we need both of these practices to come together in order to really work in harmony. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you founded something called the Expansion Collective. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little about what that is and, and why you felt the, drawn to do that, to, um, to create that. I know it's a nonprofit and yeah. So tell us about that. Um, okay, well, I'm <laughs> getting teary thinking about it. <sighs> it was big for you. Yeah, the Expansion Collective. Um, Just everybody breathe with us who's listening. <laughs> with us. Yeah, help me out here. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And the Expansion Collective is essentially the nonprofit that um, I've been dreaming up for about a year and a half now. Mm-hmm. And it was something that came to me very clearly in a vision to create because the American medical system fails so many of us. So a part of me wants to apologize for my tears, but no need no better than to do that. <laughs> um, We're just all breathing with you. <laughs> the, the truth is I like feel grateful for my tears because now we're here. Um, and it's the time for the expansion collective to really be birthed into full existence. And I've been working on it long and hard for a while, knowing that it was going to be necessary. 
and it is now. Um, so essentially the expansion collective is a space for people to come when they're in crisis. Uh, it's not quite set up yet as far as the business systems go mm -hmm. to function that way. It will be pretty soon. Um, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> you know, I had some investors down the line, but uh, stock market crashed. So, <laughs> um, so essentially, the what the expansion collective is right now is a place for people to come that want to focus on their gut health and focus on really taking their health to the next level. Mm -hmm. So it's specifically for people in the medical industry, in the tech industry, um, and, and business professionals. And that, I mean, I didn't even know when I got the hit that that's who it was for right off the bat why that would be, but now it makes sense. And then down the line, it will be more um, of a resource center as well to connect people in crisis to the places they need to go. And so when you say that people can, a place that people can come to, do you mean a physical place or a virtual place? Virtual because it's okay. a global community. Okay, that's Essentially anyone who can access Wi-Fi can get to the space. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's actually already kind of up and running, but we'll see. <laughs> So, okay, I, I feel the, the, the big picture of mm -hmm. what you're creating and that, that really you've, you've shared a little bit with us about the, you know, the, your picture of it, but I feel like there's a, uh, an underpinning that feels quite substantial. Mm -hmm. um, and so I want to just like shift the conversation a little bit to because you mentioned this about what it is now around gut microbiome health you know what what is that <laughs> i might know but i don't know if a lot of people know what is that and why is it important i mean why yeah, great. you're focusing on this in this particular way yeah great question well the gut microbiome is a hot topic for health nuts these days but i know that a lot of um a lot of people don't have a ton of understanding about the gut microbiome so i'll just kind of break it down in layman's terms and the essentially the gut and the brain are made of the same connective tissue in utero they're one and as we grow they pull apart and they're connected by the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve is this powerhouse in the body for our nervous system. And so the gut-brain connection is um, more important than most people know. <laughs> There's more things going on with the gut and the brain than, you know, most people recognize other than feeling the urge to binge eat or not feel hungry at all when things get really intense. So that is um, kind of, I mean, that's just a little bit about the gut microbiome, but there's a lot more to it as far as uh, 
a lot of theories that I've created and I'm pretty sure science would prove them, but, um, (laughs) but around our epigenetics and around, so epigenetics, meaning the genes that we can turn on and off Mm -hmm. just, uh, depending on, well, essentially with our own knowledge, we can turn them on and off. I like to think of that as the fact that there is so much of us, so much of our potential that we never tap into. And there's so much of of our DNA in a very literal sense that we never tap into that uh, many people refer to as junk DNA. But why would there be something in the body that is junk? Right. We haven't learned how to access that particular operating system. Exactly. And, and so you're working with it in a very specific way around the gut. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, you know, each of us has our way of essentially wanting to wake people up and, mm-hmm. and having people remember how to shift, uh, shift their way of operating in life. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's all about human optimization. It all is. And, um, I think that's all I feel called to say. (laughs) I I love that phrase, human optimization. Yeah, that's a very, um, uh, that says a lot right there. Mm -hmm. And so because you're working with this so so directly, what are you seeing when people are... are having troubles in their life. They're, they're, they've got non-productive patterns. That's mm-hmm. how I like to think of them. We yeah. can call them any, anything at all, but just ways that they know that, that they're trying to deal with life, but they're, it's not working. So yep. that's what I think of as non-productive patterns. Yep. And, um, but you speak to the, the energetic underlying issues that may be present, as well mm-hmm. as the physical underlying issues that may be present. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if you could speak to those. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to. So energetically, usually what's going on, um, it can be a number of things. Usually what I like to do is first look at the first coping mechanism that we're not stoked on. (laughs) So... not attached to and what could we (laughs) or as I was kind of you know joking with myself the other day I'm like what's my current favorite addiction (laughs) um (laughs) so it's like so to put it to take it from there if we were to look at, uh, just to make it really linear, like if we were to look at coping habits on a scale of like one to 10 from like healthy to Mm non-healthy. So let's say, um, one being, uh, let's just say it's like binge watching TV once a week (laughs) and 10 being, wanting to drink ourselves into oblivion 24 seven. Um, Ultimately, the human body is created to cope with life. And that's just a fact. (laughs) There is, it's actually a beautiful fact. And life is not easy. And so typically when 
energetically were struggling there. And, and when I say energetic, like, like I'm talking, say, like, say I am still a raging alcoholic, which I definitely by social standards was for a while there. But, um, then again, I don't know most people who don't spend a decade in America under, under that standard by average amount of drinks per day and or week. And so the energetic underlying issues usually come down to back down to epigenetics. What happened either in your own life that you can't face right now, that you don't feel like you can face right now. If there's nothing that makes sense, what happened in your mother's line, what happened in your father's line Mm -hmm. down like lineage, we're looking at the past now. Mm -hmm. And um, when we look more at the physical aspects of it, we can start to, so, so to kind of bring it back to Eastern Western, we're starting to get more into Eastern medicine kind of philosophy when we look at it from that, from that perspective. So from the more energetic perspective, like what is it that is underneath this coping mechanism that is like so hard to deal with. And then when we get into the physical, it comes down more to the gut microbiome. Mm. And that is because are we looking at candida? Are we looking at parasites? Are we looking at um, genetic predisposition of uh, addiction or um, yeah, so so I guess that seems like a really long-winded way to kind of speak to it. but energetically, there's usually something, from our past and oftentimes not even our past, but our parents' past or further down. And physically, there's usually an less serious imbalance in the body that makes the coping habit hard to stop. And it's interesting that you use that word coping. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at that for a moment because I don't think of that as coping. I, mm-hmm. I, I realize that as you're talking that that to me is not coping at all. It's more like uh, it, it's something that... It, it's more just destructive or uh, it's our way of being with it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe we were saying the same things, but there's something about the word coping that implies that we can't go beyond that. Absolutely. With habits that people want to break, mm-hmm. that's usually there. Yeah. Um, I do look at it as coping, but I also look at a lot of things in life as coping that maybe people wouldn't necessarily consider coping mechanisms just Mm. because of how I like to study the nervous system. Ah, so it really comes back to how you're being with the body and, uh, and that the body's what shows up in the body in my experience is usually a reflection of you know, one of those patterns on an, on an energetic level, energetic, spiritual, psychological, whatever way, you know, but, but it it all shows up energetically. Well, exactly. And if we bring it back to Eastern West, Western, um, it's, you know, it is an absolutely 
a socially acceptable thing to cope with alcohol, one drink a night, three, three nights a week. That's totally okay by um, American health standards. Mm. It's okay to have more than that actually, and can be considered good, just depending on what you're working with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, in fact, I would consider it good, depending on what you're working with and what you're drinking and why. You know what I mean? Champagne and celebration as a really positive thing. And it's not exactly. about hoping, it's about celebrating. It's exactly. That, that positive side of, of the equation. Right, Exactly. And champagne, I'm just saying, because champagne is such a celebratory kind of drink. Absolutely. <laughs> mm -hmm. So where does, that, where does that take us then? So it, um, when you're working with someone, what does that look like? Mm, it depends. Um, so when I work with people, I usually like to bring in a variety of modalities that I work with. So... Um, it depends if I'm working with people in a group setting. It depends if I'm working with people one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, well, I guess we can start to bring it back to shamanism here because it's when I start to bring sh like what I would consider some shamanic practices back into the mix. However, I don't particularly like to use that word with them very often anymore simply because of cultural appropriation and mm -hmm. the fact that I've never had an indigenous shaman tell me that I could call myself a shaman. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but when working with someone like, so, so I draw from all my tools, I draw from my tools of nutrition. I draw from health coaching and life coaching. What does this person want? What is it that they're trying to get from, our work together. And then, um, from there, it just depends on how deep I take it, you know, so I can either work specifically with clearing different coping habits, um, which can actually be pretty easy depending, or we can start to dive more deeply into kind of spiritual, uh, practices, depending on what they want to learn and what they want to know. Mm -hmm. And would that also extend to working directly with like nutrition or? Always. Mm -hmm. Always. You can't heal the gut microbiome without looking at nutrition. Right. Right. That's my experience, certainly. Mm -hmm. So you also say, um, you've also said to me something about how this is such an important time. Mm -hmm. um, and I think of about how we each have something to contribute to this time. We each have something to contribute, period. Sometimes it takes people a longer time to discover what that is. Um, sometimes you just know. I think mm -hmm. for me, I, I, there was a part of me that knew really early on what I needed to do and how I needed to do it. And, and I just went on that path. Um, and it doesn't mean that was easy, that it was mm -hmm. an easy path. But that, that feeling of being called to do something, called to be something, called to act in a certain way or, or serve in a certain way. Um, and it seems that, um, that showing up, you know, really showing up with your fullness, with what you have to offer is, is even more necessary now for those innovators that we both work with, the creatives. 
why is that? Why do you, why do you feel like that's even more important right now? Because these are the people that have the power to change the world at the speed that we need it to change right now. Oof. Say that, say that again. And I mean, <laughs> go, go a little deeper into that. That's so true. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, creative STEM are essentially the people right now that have the power to change the world at the speed that we have to change the world. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and that's just a fact. The, the people right now that are working in tech and med and engineering and the sciences, um, it's, it's, it's go time. Like, I don't know how else to say that other than it is like we're here and it's there and it's really inspiring industries mm-hmm. as I've connected more with people that I resonate with as I, you know, I didn't realize that this was the group that I was meant to serve until a mentor pointed it out to me. And then I kind of looked back through my Rolodex of clients and realized I was like, Oh, tech, tech, med, medicine. Med, oh, okay. Right. Right. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, essentially, I mean, I don't know how, how much more deeply you want me to go into that. Well, I, I, I'm, um, I'm struck by the fact that we are working with a lot of the same people, very different ways, perhaps, but that I, that I feel that. And that's one reason I was excited to have this conversation with you is, is because it, when we look at the needs of the world right now, we see that there are huge needs. And what seems to me most important is that, um, that people approach these needs and the, the willingness or the desire to uh, meet the, these needs, but it has to be done in a way that that's connected, that's mm-hmm. connected in a co-creative way with, with, with those universal energies. Yep. Because if you try and do it just with yourself and what you think, you know, you run in circles, you run um, in your own habit patterns exactly and with what you already know instead of opening up to that bigger dimension that really wants to be part of things and you know and that is that co-creative uh force of the universe yep yeah yeah absolutely um and it's you know everyone seeks it <laughs> like in in the stem world I mean, microdosing came out of Silicon Valley in the U.S., you know, it like, well, I mean, I'm sure there were plenty of people doing it back in the 60s, too, but (laughs) but more recently, you know, and the this uh, emerging psychedelic um, fascination or obsession right now, I would say it it comes from wanting to connect and it is, you know, re-emerging for a second time in a sense. It's always kind of been there. Um, but yes, you know, it, it has. Let me just interrupt you for a moment because we have a big age difference between the two of us. So I, I come at it from that time where, yeah, it was big. And I used to work with something called Guided Imagery and Music that was developed by somebody named Helen Bonney. She did the original work of that 
for Stan Groff, who was doing the LSD race research. Totally. And, you know, and that, I'm not sure exactly when that was, but it's probably 70s. Um, and at, at a psychiatric institute. Right. She created the music programs for him as, you know, the two, as people were going on their, their trips. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping to connect with the scientists at Johns Hopkins. I've been just kind of waiting to send the emails, um, waiting to build those connections until the time is right. And I know it has been. So mm-hmm. yeah, the it's, it's powerful work that's being done around it. And I'm terrified because we'll have more casualties, but it's only natural that through expansion, we have casualties. And now I'm at the place where I, I don't feel like we need to do that with any psychedelics or any drugs. No. And that, that, that those, the ability to open to those other dimensions is part of our genetic makeup. It's part of our, our given blueprint. Exactly. Only people have forgotten it. Exactly. And I know our work, and again, we're doing it from very different places, but our work has to do, and let me say this, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, um, or if you disagree, feels like it has to do with that place of bringing the people in, in the way that they need to be brought in so that we can address what's here to be addressed. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think that's where, at least in my work, it all comes back down to cleaning out the body, I guess is like the term (laughs) that, that I'm feeling drawn to say, I think I, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think in a sense, your work probably (laughs) is around that too, you know, even though I don't think, I don't know if that's a a frame of thinking that you would apply to the work you do. It isn't, but that's okay. But the, the, you know, the reason that they use psychedelics for PTSD is because it has to be that strong sometimes for traumas as severe as many of us have experienced. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes it does take something to, take you to another dimension, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And other times, well, I mean, ultimately I think that exists though. And the psychedelic experiences exist to just point us back to the fact that we can also get there through the practices that shamans have been doing since the beginning of human Mm -hmm. existence. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I've realized that, you know, my work is about that energetic shift and that energetic um, initiation and reminder Mm -hmm. of, of accessing that, uh, that co-creative intelligence. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, all of that is needed because people are at a different place in their own unfolding. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Whether it's, um, addiction that brings people through the door or whether it's just wanting to perform better at work, it's Mm -hmm. seeking the same thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whatever, whatever that niggle is, you Mm -hmm. know, in some ways it's a very traumatic kind of niggle is not the right word. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a two by four. Yeah, uh, you know, waking you up, and other times it's the it's that inner calling that uh, you just know, 
and you don't even know what you know and you don't even know why you know, but you know and you keep looking. And that was me, uh, you know, that I, I was on that search for forever, for as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. I was on, on a search until I started, you know, finding and discovering. Yeah, yeah, me too. I think most of us are in a sense, right? Because we're all... Um, we're all just wanting to feel better and, and do better all the time, really at the end of the day, I think it's, it's human nature. Um, but more, well, I don't, I guess my experiences with waking up have been just more traumatic, I think. Mm. And, and hopefully that cycles over. (laughs) I'll I'll, I'll join you with that. Yeah. 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 Because that allows you then to move into your next step. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that at some point you're the bridge between those traumatic kinds of experiences and the people that experience that. And you're the bridge into what's next. Mm-hmm. You know, how, do you, how could you see all of that as, as perfect, as the perfect training ground for you? Well, they can't see you shaking your head, but uh, <laughs> but you're shaking your head. Yes. I've, I've always known I'm, I'm a bridge the worlds, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, but being initiated into shamanism at 16 was the most traumatic thing I've ever experienced. Traumatic and dramatic, both. Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Is there something you would like to um, to leave our listening audience with? I mean, I know I'll, I'll get to how they can connect with you, but is there something, a message that you would like to leave um, for our audience? Hmm. I have a sensing perhaps a reminder of something. That's a good question. You know, as I feel into who is probably listening, I think the reminder is one foot at a time. Mm. Because I'm a visionary too. Mm -hmm. And sometimes being a visionary sucks. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Simply because we want to take 10 steps at a time. (laughs) (laughs) We want to skip, we want to run, we want to sprint. We don't want to sit and meditate, walk slowly or navigate a global pandemic. (laughs) So one step at a time. Mm, I love that. I love that because I work with a lot of visionaries and, uh, and it's, it can be hard to rein in those natural impulses of wanting to take 10 steps at a time. And sometimes we get the vision and we forget that that guidance is still available. It's still there. And we need to still connect with that to say, okay, what's the right next step? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Or the right next steps. Or what's the next step that I need to take? And it might be 10 steps ahead. And when we Mm -hmm. thought we needed to go through all those singular steps. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But if we listen, we know which route to take. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Angela Rose, how can people re- reach you? Well, how can they get in touch with you? 
Yeah, they're the two easiest ways to get in touch with me are either through my website, angelorosefields.com or through the uh, Expansion Collective website, which is expansioncollective.com. Okay. Um, I'm pretty accessible on social media, but I get to points where I kind of stop responding when the messages start to pile in too fast. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So the website's angelarosefields.com and Mm -hmm. Mm expansioncollective.com. Great. Thank you so much for being here today and for being such a great guest and offering our listeners uh, so much. Mm. Thank you so much for having me. Mm, You're welcome. Mm -hmm. And thank you to our listeners, too, for being with us today at Wisdom Talk Radio. Join us here regularly for more wisdom, discovery, and illumination. Remember, you can find us on your favorite place to listen to podcasts. And if you've enjoyed listening today, leave us a review because that helps people access the wisdom and transformation. And for more about fast-tracking from ideation to creation and revenue, find me, Laurie Seymour, over at the BACA, that's B-A-C-A, institute.com. Take the quiz there and find out your creative innovator style so that you can turn your ideas into reality without missing another moment. Thanks for joining us here at Wisdom Talk Radio. We wish you well in your conscious explorations. For more information and to join in the conversation, our website is wisdomtalkradio.com or at Wisdom Talk Radio on Facebook. Facebook.